Good morning. Hello. This is uh, your host. These these are your hosts, Matthew Jananaw and Josh Barrett. <laughs> Good to have you back, guys. It has been a while since we've recorded a podcast with the Lions of Judah podcast, cultivating the heart of man. So, sorry we kept you waiting, but, you know. All good things have you have to wait for. <laughs> exactly. Are you going to say all good things come to an end? Yeah. That's what I thought you were going to say, but it isn't coming yeah, to an I end, so that's switch, kind of awkward. I switch analogies. <laughs> yep. Um, so, just a quick, um, very, very brief recap of the last episode. Uh, kind of the, the conclusion we came to is that masculinity um, is, uh, in regards to life, is giving life, and femininity is in nurturing life. Um, those are kind of the main um, like faculties, I guess, of masculinity and femininity is in masculinity, giving life, uh, femininity, nurturing life. Um, and so we ended the last podcast saying we're going to talk about seeing as how uh, the more proper, so to speak, uh, thing for masculine to masculinity is to give life. Um, the companion to giving life is receiving life, um, and so we just wanted to open up um, this podcast with talking about um, men receiving life or receiving love, uh, particularly. Um, there's a book that we have read uh, called Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. And um, the, he, he gives like kind of six stages of masculinity and each one um, is always present in a man, uh, but there are certain periods of his life where one surfaces. Um, and so, yeah, and these, uh, there's a term called, it's called archetypes. Basically, these are roles or characters, so to speak, that you find across culture, across time. Um, so for example, um, the 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 cowboy so the beloved son this one then there's the cowboy the warrior the lover the king and the sage uh that's the those are the ter- those are the particular terms John Eldridge uses um but this podcast we're going to talk about what it means to be a beloved son yep yeah yeah cool Josh do you want to have the first thought or don't mean to have the first thought you can go ahead I can go ahead cool. I'm still waking up Josh is still waking up he's currently almost what Oh, it's 8. Oh, my. 8.15. Um, <laughs> so, I think that, I think, like, beloved son, so be loved, uh, is literally what it is, and I think a lot of the times that, um, especially for men, um, I think for women, too, but I think just, you know, since this is a men's, uh, men's podcast, um, men can find it really hard to receive love. Um, particularly when it's done through help. Um, you know, I think in regards to, like, affection, um, even from other guys, like, especially people who do sports, I find that, not even just that, but just in general, like, a lot of guys, (laughs) like, can be some, at least in my life, it can be fairly affectionate with other guys. Um, and I mean, women have always been affectionate with men. So it doesn't seem that affection in regards to love um, to, for men to receive is very hard, but it seems more so that like um, it's harder for men to receive help. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like especially in regards to being loved, um, 
but that's a way that people express love is help by helping. Um, yeah. So, um, and so I think that it's so necessary to, to, to be able to do that because I, like, just for example, like, um, if like I've experienced it before where, um, there are people in my life who are always willing to give help, but then whenever I tried to give help in return, they're like, no, 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 I'm totally fine. And that's really detrimental to a relationship because it then doesn't come across as love, but rather it comes across as like insecurity mm-hmm. and like if you're all given no receive that's not that's not healthy first off, but also like that's not a relationship mm-hmm. no yeah I think when if you give too much, you know you can become exhausted uh but if you don't let yourself um if you don't let people help you you'll begin you'll begin to either think one of two things either you don't deserve help or you're above it mm. and i think every tragedy of mankind comes down to um someone not wanting to give and so, or someone not wanting to receive um even mm. adam and eve like they did not want to give god the position of god um they wanted to to take the knowledge um but yeah um I would agree with that. I think that uh, it's just not healthy, just on a practical human relationship level. Um, if if you're dating someone and they never let you do anything nice for them, how long is that really going to last? Or if you're dating someone and you don't let them do anything good for you, you no, know, it's just not going to happen. You know, you might last a week. Yeah. Well, and I think also, like, uh, at the time, Carol Wittiwa... Uh, you know, now, you know, or afterwards, Pope John Paul, now Pope St. John Paul II, um, in his book, Love and Responsibility, he discusses that the opposite of love is not hatred. Um, I think if we're going to talk about the emotional aspect of love um, or like affection, I could see, you know, the opposite being hatred in regards to emotion um, or like, you know, but... In reality, the because love is meant to be selfless, the opposite is to use, um, because that is inherent inherently selfish, and if 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 you're developing relationships with people just in general, and there's giving on one end and not giving on the other, well then. It, it seems to me that that relationship is either going to stop or become a relationship of usury. And even in all reality, even in, even in only giving, you could be, it could be, a, you could be using if you're the only one giving because you could be using them as emotional stability, um, you know, in a certain sense to, to feel, to feel like you are actually worth something that you actually are good, a good person. Um, yeah, like, because then, because if you're never receiving, um, like, you, you know what I mean? Like, you could be using them for that emotional stability, like mm-hmm. your sense of self. Yeah. So I think that, um, yeah, it's just really interesting because, 
I, if, if we're talking about like in the in the Christian sense, um, love is the gift. Like if the gift of self love is selfless, love is giving. But if you're never receiving, um, can you really love? I think that's the question. Mm-hmm. Like at least that I'm trying to pose is, can you really love if you never receive love? I wonder, you know, if you could say it like this. Um, if you think about it like a physical substance, one one that is a resource, which um, if you're always giving, you know, think of it like a water jug. If it's always pouring out, um, but you don't let anything come in, then eventually what you're trying to give, you'll be doing it for taking because you know that you're empty, um, if that makes any kind of sense. Mm-hmm. If you don't let yourself receive love, then your giving will become taking. Um, I think you can see that in uh, really toxic relationships where if someone it, thinks that they are either not deserving or above help or love, when they are trying to give love, trying to be in a dating relationship, a marriage, a friendship, um, even a parent-child a relationship, eventually what happens is the parent or the lover or the friend or spouse or whoever it is will then begin to um, act selfishly and you know they'll they'll veil it in the guise of love but really it's all for personal gratification Um, Mm -hmm. I think that um, God really is the only uh, person who has eternal like an infinite supply of love Um, and I think that that kind of language in the tradition of the church is important because not only does it highlight his importance, but it also highlights that we do not have that. Mm-hmm. So we do need to let ourselves uh, receive. Uh, you know, if a, if a car's always using the gas, but you're not refilling the gas, then you're going to be stuck. Yeah. Well, yeah. And even like, um, I think at the end of John's first letter, um, we love because he first loved us. Yeah. And so recognizing that all love, even the love that we give, is first received from God, from the yep. Father. Um, and it, it's interesting because in regard, like, I, I think that if you if you never give, if you never receive love, um, one typical thing that you find is the busybody, mm-hmm. which at least in my experience, I've seen more women come into that role of the busybody, of just always doing, um, never sitting, like constantly feeling the need to serve and to give. Um, but I think also like the, the generation of men, like this culture right now is there are so few men who actually receive love and aren't just using, you know, there's so many apathetic men because if you're, if you're apathetic, if you don't really care, um, mm-hmm. like if you're not intentionally receiving love, then, and I think, a, I think a big integral part of that is seeing the person, right? Because that's like love is 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 the trinitary right so that trinity of persons so i think a necessary requirement in order to love to give and to receive love is to see the person and so there are so many women too but men who are apathetic and just are being served but it's not because they are really good at receiving love necessarily but rather because they just don't care enough to move mm-hmm. so i think that there's 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 like there's an active part to receiving love it's not um just a passive thing it's active uh and and if even if like i don't know a whole lot um i enjoy science but i don't you know i haven't i'm not majoring it so i don't i, don't, I may not remember this accurately um but 
in regards to um like sending uh signals throughout the body um and even just like like uh viruses um basically like um there is the 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 mrna right the messenger um uh part of the dna and it goes and in order to i don't know if it's that but either way to in order to receive signals there needs to be a particular protein there needs to be a receptor um a receptor and it actively engages because one it's particular um to what it can receive um and also beyond that like it has to actually like allow um depending on what kind of um, protein it is but it has to allow the the messenger the the signal to come through um and so it's it's a more active form of receiving so you heard it here first folks we are the protein of god <laughs> we Wait, are the you protein of god i bet you did, i bet you didn't know when the church says we're the body of christ it meant li- literally we are the protein yes we are the protein um but also like like in regards to those receptor proteins they have to they have to know what they're receiving you know it's not some there are there are some but for the, that that don't but for this analogy the certain proteins like they need to know what they're receiving they need to be in a certain sense made in like the image almost like the counterpart um and that's exactly what we are we're made in the counterpart the church is feminine mm-hmm. um and again to receive that's why um, that like the feminine is considered like receiving, right? Because, um, you know, the father gives and the church female receives. Mm -hmm. And so we all men and women need to receive if we're going to really live out our faith and even just have good, healthy relationships, I think. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Um, so there is a passage in scripture that I was reading this morning that I'd like to share with us. Um, and so it's from the second Samuel chapter 18. Now, Absalom, it was David's, one of David's, King David's sons. And so Absalom kind of overthrew his father, David, and took over Israel. And so, um, it came to the point eventually where Absalom, um, sent out, uh, with his army, he led, he sent his army to go and defeat David and his army. And so David, um, you know, was given news about this. And so he prepared his army. And originally he said, I, I will lead you into battle. But his, his, his soldiers said, like, no, don't do that. Because, like, I, what they said was, at the end of the day, if we turn around or if we get killed, that doesn't matter as much. But if you turn around or if you die that's not good at all. That's really bad. So stay back and just send us troops, send us stuff. Um, so he says, okay. And he gives one command to his officers. And that is, um, do not harm my son Absalom. Okay. Now, eventually Absalom, um, gets killed, um, very intentionally, but, um, there are two people, there are two messengers that get sent to David Oh, one gets sent, the other one just runs because he wants to tell David. And so the two messengers come to the city, and um, the first thing that he, that King David says to these messengers is, um, let's see, where is it? Yeah, it says, 
Uh, oh, is it well with the young man Absalom? Okay, is it well with him? That's the first thing he asks. The first messenger doesn't really say anything, but the second one uh, delivers the message that he's dead. And listen to this. So Absalom rebelled against King David, his father. Okay, rebelled, took over his kingdom, cast David out. Okay. And then not only that, but took his, like David's previous army, right? David's own people, right? He took them, went to war against David. Okay. So just recognize that's the situation. Okay. And this is how King David responds to hearing of his son's death. It says, uh, okay, may, yeah, da, 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 da. and the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I had died instead of you, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. And if you think about that in relation to our heavenly father, that's exactly what happened. Um, like, literally, we rebel against him by sinning. And so, and when we sin, that affects other people, right? And so when we sin, it draws other people away from God. And so in that way, we can amass a rebellion of people around us who rebel against the Father. Now, King David said, would I have died instead of you, my son? And that's exactly... Um, what the father, what God thinks of us, even though we have rebelled against him, you know, and we continue to do so, even though we take um, people who used to serve him when we sin and and turn them away from him and then cause them to sin, um, he sent his son, he died for us. And in reality, that's not just a temporal death, but an eternal, like that eternal reality. Because if we if we, if Christ hadn't say, if Christ, if God doesn't save us from our sins, uh, what we de- what we deserve is hell, right? That is what we deserve, and so by God dying for us, He wins for us the reward of heaven, the gift of heaven, because someone had to die, someone had to pay the price. I just think that if, that's just a mind blowing thing when you think about King David and his son Absalom. I like how it emphasized for extra measure near the beginning of that of that reading. Um, the fact that David dying is so bad, you know, the king dying is a big yeah. deal. That his own army, you know, and kind of historically, oh, yeah, right. historically speaking, all of the most important figures, um, you think Julius Caesar, Alexander the Great, the all these types of people, um, they got to where they were because they led their people into battle. They weren't afraid. They were right there amongst them. But David's people loved him so much that they didn't even, not only did they not need him to lead them into battle, they adamantly refused to let him go in for fear of his own death. So they emphasized the importance of the image of King David dying. Yeah. Just just so at the end he can say, I would have rather died. Wow. And then he can can realize that, you know, uh, but not only does he care about his son more than himself, he cares about his son more than his entire people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. kind of like leaving the 99 for the one in a sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I, that's just, uh, that's a really good observation, Josh. I didn't even, I read that, I didn't even see that. Uh, that's what I love about scripture is that it's kind of subtle that way, but it, it always emphasizes things that are important. Mm-hmm. Whether it says it three times um, to, for extra emphasis or, you know, kind of narrative em- emphasis mm-hmm. for the importance of that. Importance of that. I find that really interesting. Yeah.
Yeah, and so I think David's that... David's such an interesting character. He really is. We need to do a podcast just on David. Honestly, though, we could do a lot of podcasts on that. <laughs> um, and so I think, like... So there's one point also, just to kind of connect it to the New, script, to the New Testament, there's one point when Jesus um, is talking to, like, the, I think the Pharisees, and they're saying that they're all sons of, sons of Abraham, you know? And he is saying that... Um, the son does what the father asks of him mm-hmm. or like basically the son does what the father does and he basically calls them all out and he's like you guys are all sons of the evil one mm-hmm. because you guys are all like you know how, how Jesus rebukes them um, because they were doing their external was not their internal mm-hmm. so they were they basically all talking uh, all bark and no bite kind of thing mm-hmm. um, they were talking the talk not walking the walk um and so, like, he says to them, like, you do what, you're, like, what, you're, what your father asks of you. And so I think that in regards to spiritual sonship, right, we know that there's the father of truth and there's the father of lies. Now, they're not equal because a lie is a twisted form of the truth or the absence of truth, right? It's not anything substantial. It doesn't actually, like, exist per se. Um, and so... The evil one, Satan, he tries to make of himself like God. You know, like he tries to make himself look like God. And so he, you know, he calls himself the father. He's the father of lies. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there are two types of sons, spiritual identities. Um, and you could even, in, all, in a certain sense, you could even see these are archetypes. Um, but it's not necessarily roles that are played, but rather interior dispositions that you can kind of see and you can see in yourself for sure. Um, and these two types, these two sonships are the heir and the slave. The heir, you know, what is, what is, what is, what is he given? Everything. What is the slave given? Nothing, right? The heir has freedom. The slave does not have freedom. So I want to read um, Galatians uh, chapter four, verses one through seven. And the last verse of 3.29. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent, his for- God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to, receive the- to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Like, the fact that the heir, it says that as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. So the difference between the slave and the heir is that the heir owns everything, because everything is promised to him, but the slave owns nothing. And so what is the response to having everything? Well, you're, you're going to be much more willing to give, right? Mm-hmm. 
Again, when you have been given everything, you can give everything in return. The slave, however, has been given nothing, and so the slave in return gives nothing, right? He doesn't give of self. He may pretend to give, you know, like the slave, right? The slave spends his days laboring for the master, right? So in the same way, if we're being busybodies, if we're giving all the time and never receiving, that's, we're just being slaves, you know what I mean? And so um, the heir, he gives because, because it's a response to receiving. The slave is only giving, but not even really giving. He's just doing. It's not really giving. Um, yeah, and I think that's so important to, to, be, to be reflective is if I really want to love and give, I have to receive. I have to. There's no way about it. There's no trick. There's no... You know, and in Christianity, right? Because, you know, love is giving of self, willing the good of another. That's the common understanding of love. And for me, that was really detrimental because I was like, oh, that means if I'm not giving, I'm not loving. If I'm, you know what I mean? And that's so bad, especially at a younger age, because when you're young, you're especially meant to receive and not give. And so it's so important that, we have receptive hearts because ultimately heaven is a gift. So if we don't have receptive hearts, well, we can't get into heaven. Mm-hmm. We need to be receptive. We need to be able to open and to actively receive and not just passively let things happen. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember something I was writing once I, uh, he'd written this one line. Um, we will, I, I can't, I'm paraphrasing, but it basically said, uh, we will uh, reject paradise for our own uh, attempt at crafting it ourselves. Mm. Um, and I think it's because when fundamentally, if we cannot receive, um, you know, the, the, that's a, the interesting question, is what comes first, giving or receiving? Um, and it really depends. If you're in the context of God, God is the giver first and then we receive. But for us as human beings, Receiving comes first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if we can't receive heaven as a gift, we're going to spend our entire lives trying to craft it. And we're always going to um, be like children who try and craft like a little toy, um, a little toy version of some bigger reality that they can't achieve. You know, think that, you know, kids will craft a fake little house out of blankets and pillows or will craft, a, you know, fake little guns out of sticks mm-hmm. or whatever um, to play around and have fun. But we don't really stop doing that. We just change how we do it. Uh-huh. You know, when we become adults, we, we, you know, out of cheap things, we try and make heaven um, and it just doesn't work. So. Yeah. And I think also like, something that's like, really important to know is children are so good at receiving. Yeah. Like even, even one of my nieces, like there's times when she'll be kind of stubborn and be like, no, I can do this. But if she tries a couple times, she's like, Uncle Matt, like, can you come help me? Um, which is so polar opposite from adults. Mm. Like, if there's any kind of stubbornness, <laughs> you're, like, there's no way they're going to try a couple times, especially if there's stubbornness. And then they try a couple times, there's no way they're, gonna, they're going to then, after being stubborn, say, okay, fine, mm-hmm. you know? Um, 
one of the moments of scripture I think about probably the most is <laughs> unless you are, unless you're like one of these little ones you want to the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Um, and there's so many things to that. You know, that's so uh, such an you know such a meaty statement. You know, when you think about it, what does it mean? There's so many uh, aspects to what it means to be a child. But when you think about it, all of the positive ones make sense. You know, children have no qualms about immediately falling into wonder. Um, mm. They have absolutely no problem t- receiving a gift. Um, they're 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 communal. Children love friends. They love talking to people. They love talking to you about what they're interested in or um, asking you questions. That's the num- I think one of the number one things too is they they're not afraid to ask you mm-hmm. questions, especially deep ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but likewise, when we rebel, we tend to do so in childish types of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very stubborn, <laughs> you know, um, we th- tend to throw temper tantrums. Um, we want to be, we want to grow up so bad. We want to be like God so bad that we'll take what we have to. Um, yeah. we'll take dad's keys when he's not looking. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll take the knowledge of good and evil, you know? Yeah. And, and, and again, to point out, uh, in Galatians when it says, um, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, father, Abba is from my understanding of the term akin to daddy. Yeah. Like it is very much like I am a very small child. You are my dad. I'm crying out to you mm-hmm. like daddy. And that's not a thing that I ever say, <laughs> you know, I'm not. A, and sometimes in prayer, I'll do stuff like that. But for the most part, I'm not, that's not my natural disposition. Um, and I think a big part of that is, as kids, like, there's, like, I think that humility, right, uh, a certain understanding of humility is knowing your place, mm-hmm. right? You know where you stand in relation to God. You know where you stand in relation to other people. And so I think that kids, they know where they stand, you know? In a very, in a physical way, they're literally, like, maybe half the size, if that, of other, of, of people, mm-hmm. right? And so there's that humility and it's not a humility that's like hard. It's not a humility of like, it's not a showy humility, you know? It's just very simply put, they know their place. Um, and as, as we get older, we forget our place. You know, and it, it says in, uh, in Proverbs, um, I'm gonna paraphrase, the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. You know, recognizing that God is God and I am me. And so I think that especially in regards to receiving love, especially as like men getting older, um, it's a lack of humility. Mm-hmm. It's a lack of saying, I am not perfect. I am not all good and all powerful. I need help. And even if I don't necessarily need help right now, I, you know, it's still good to receive it. Mm-hmm. Um. If you want, getting close to the end here, um, since it is Beloved Son, I think something that might be interesting that people might be like, like to hear is uh, the etymology of the word pater, um, mm-hmm. father, um, if you think that that's a good... Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So um, I recently learned this over summer when I did some research into it. Um, as some may know in Catholic circles, but if they don't, that's fine. Um, you know, we, we have the father, which comes from vader in German, which comes from pater in Latin, which comes from pater in Greek. Um, now, Greek and Latin are both influenced by the Indo-European language family group. Um, we're talking a long, long time ago. 
um, hunter-gatherer type people as, as they spread westward from um, what is now um, the western side of Russia when they spread west towards, uh, well, into Europe. Um, we don't know a whole lot about these people archaeologically, um, but what we do know is that they worshipped a sky father. Um, that was their first god. And for, I could be very wrong, but from what I understood, for a very brief moment, they were monotheistic, like very brief. And then they created a whole uh, polytheistic thing after that. Um, but what the important thing is, is that it begins with one generally older depicted sky father. Um, and their name for him in Proto-Indo-European from tracing back languages, uh, etymologists and linguists have um, found that he was most likely uh, verbally how it would have sounded, called Deus Pater. Um, now, that's very interesting because uh, we share our roots with the Greeks, the Romans, even the Nords um, in our uh, religion, uh, for, for, the, for the word, I should say, not for the religion itself, but for the word. Deus, um, of course, is our word for God. Um, back then, it meant day. It was day father, sky father. Now, in Latin, dies is still sky or day. Or mm-hmm. not, sorry, not sky, day, the word day. Um, but it's where deus comes from. Um, it, was, uh, it was from the, the connection with sky father being a god. Um, deus is where Zeus comes from. It's Zeus, d- uh, deus. Mm. Um, on top of that, um, I... See, this is more of a, this part right here, what I'm about to say, is a bit more of what I'm guessing through my knowledge of the language. Um, could be wrong, but I'm 99% sure this is probably where it comes from. The, the head god of the Roman pagan, mm-hmm. uh, what do you call it, uh, group, I guess, um, is, uh, is Jupiter. Um, that's mm-hmm. their version of Zeus. If you think Jupiter, Deus Pater, Du Pater, Jupiter, you know, you, you kind of see how it gets there. Um, they're all connected. Um, the idea, though, is that it's a uh, father in the sky, and the, the way the story goes, and we know this through archaeological record, etchings on uh, on the relics that we found, not relics, um, what do you call it? Uh, I don't know. Artifacts. Artifacts, yeah, that we found. Um, and also just by tracing the history of Greeks, Romans, um, and other uh, uh, religions. Um, and basically how this tale usually goes is a father from the sky um, creates man from dirt. And when he creates man from dirt, in most of the stories, it depicts two men. Um, but some, uh, actually, most notably, important note, the Hebrews are not part of the Indo-European language family group. This is why I find this insanely fascinating. Wow. His, from what we know, archaeologically, they came from an entirely different group of people. Um, but the Genesis story mirrors this creation story almost exactly um, in the beginnings. Because you have Skyfather, who creates two people from dirt, um, and then the the first event that happens after that is they're attacked by a serpent. Um, and in wow. all of the in all of these pagan myths, the serpent wins and uh, uh, attacks them or kills them or hurts them or something. Um, but in Genesis, of course, or sorry, I totally messed that up. I'm sorry, I'm a terrible narrator. In all of those stories, man kills the serpent. Sorry, they the two brothers fight together and kill the serpent. Um, but in Genesis, the serpent is depicted as winning, um, and not in, not through physical violence. Um, but I, I thought that was really interesting for the beloved son debate because, um, there's something deep and instinctual in culture itself, at least in most of this chunk Mm -hmm. of the world, um, with a father, 
mm-hmm. a father figure, looking up to a father figure. And that's not unique. I mean, that's, that's just an example of how one idea has permeated our language, which has yeah. infl- infiltrated our culture. And by our, I'm talking all of Europe, uh, Northwestern Europe, Southeastern Europe, um, parts of Russia, and now yeah. all through the West. I mean, there's all kinds of other mm-hmm. uh, father um archetypes in yeah. in the rest of the culture i just thought that was really really crazy that's really crazy um that we get those words from that um so yeah so it just seems like that the archetype of beloved son is kind of like being loved like being a, son, a child of god mm-hmm. you know is kind of just across humanity yeah um and so i think like i i want to get into the practicals of like like i want to talk about how we live this out i guess um so just like the fact that it's active receptivity because if it was passive, then it, it doesn't seem like that's really leaving room much for free will. And so like God never forces himself onto us. Like, don't get me wrong. There are certain graces that we receive that we can't reject because if we did, we would cease to exist. Um, but in regards to our own actions, like we, the, the grace to actually do that, the grace to love, um, is always received and always chosen. Um, so like, yeah, just the reality of it's always active. It's, it's, it's freely chosen. Mm -hmm. Um, it's freely received. Um, and it's the, it's the single most important identity that we need to have. My core identity needs to be that of a beloved son, Mm -hmm. because if not, then whenever I do things, it's not going to be out of a place of groundedness, but out of a place of insecurity. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to be able to love if I'm not grounded in my identity, because if I'm not grounded in my identity, then I don't have any one to give per se. Um, so I guess like, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything off the top of your head of like ways to live this out? Um, Cause something that I have, something that I try to do is in general, whenever someone tries to help out, even if I don't need it, I say sure and welcome them gladly. Cause then you're saying yes to the relationship as mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah um i think one way is we a common problem is we tend to think of god as kind of like a genie if we pray to him a certain way or enough then all of what we want will come true so you know what's funny is while we often refuse to let ourselves receive we seem to have a primary idea of god as that who we receive from yeah you know so if we lean into that not in the and the reason i brought up the whole genie idea is we need to avoid that so um don't go to prayer thinking, oh, I'm going to get something if I do this. But think of it like the only place I can ever get anything worth having is here. Yeah. Um, yeah and, it might, and it might be right now. It's not a magic bottle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, 100%. It, it might be It might be right now. And, and, right. And instead of anticipating a gift like an impatient child, um, focus on the toys you already received now that you got, mm. that you now got bored with and yeah. after playing with. Gratitude. Like, like uh, yeah. How many things do you have currently that you <laughs> prayed for years ago and now you just take for granted? And how many of the things you do not pray for that you have now? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, that's so true. Just actual gratitude, like yep. practicing gratitude. And I think just like, even if that's like for a second every day or even just whenever having a heart of gratitude, that interdisposition of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, in a way, gratitude is more fundamental than being able to receive because even if you yeah. receive, but you're not grateful for it, you've nullified the, the, the grace. Right. It's point. not an active. Yeah. That's not an active reception. Yeah. Receiving it's a passive. So reception. I think everything just gratitude. Gratitude. Uh, I, there's, there would be an interesting debate on which one is more fundamental, humility or gratitude. 
Yeah, well, I think, um, I, think I don't think you can really be grateful if you're not humble in some capacity. Yeah, that's what because I because to be grateful well. means that you're acknowledging you have been given something that you did not already have. Yeah, I think, and so that in a certain sense requires humility. Yeah, because I think you can be grateful and still be prideful about yourself. You know, right. in a way. Yeah, a hundred percent. I just think that. Thank you for this kingdom. I'm awesome. You know. Like, yeah. Whatever. But yeah. Oh, like entitlement. Yeah. Entitlement. Yeah. yeah. That, that honestly, yeah. Yeah, that's what gratitude without. Humility. Humility is. Is entitlement. Because you recognize, the, well, I don't know if, I don't know if entitlement is. Yeah. yeah and that's, there's something there, though. There's and that's something the there. Sno- like the snobby, that's the, the temporal heir yeah. who's not a spiritual heir. That's the snobby. The expectant. Yeah. Um, I'm supposed to be king. It's like Dudley from Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was, yeah, well, that works. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, gratitude. And I think also, like, again, actively receiving, going to prayer every day, yeah. opening the scriptures. Um, literally like starting prayer with saying father thank you for this thank you for Mm -hmm. this person whatever it is um but yeah going to the father to receive but also seeing him around like in your room in your house on campus i think you'll start town i think you'll start to do that if you practice actively um seek gratitude i think um c.s lewis had a great quote where he said um if you pretend to love your brother for long enough, eventually you actually will. Mm. Um, and it, that coincides with another quote of his from Mere Christianity, where he says, good things as well as bad things are caught by a sort of infection. Yeah. Um, if you want to be warm, you get near the fire. If you want to get cool, you jump into the pool. Um, right. if, yeah, if, yeah, I didn't intend it to, but yeah, there you go. Um, and if you want to be full of grace, you get close to, to the source. That's why um, scripture will use language like being in Christ. It's, it mm-hmm. talks about being so near that you are actually one with him. Yeah. Um, and in a way, that's what gratitude is. If you pretend to be grateful for long enough, there's really no way to fake being grateful. Either you are or you aren't. If you're actually trying to be grateful um, actively, even if you don't feel it, you actually kind of are being grateful. Yeah. Because you didn't have to do that. You're recognizing... Yeah. It's the choice. That's the beauty the of gratitude will. is without, regardless of how you feel about it, if you're faking it, you're actually doing it. Right. As long as there's that honest yeah. desire to be grateful, wanting to want. Yeah. So just so fake it till you make it, guys. Yeah. So I think the conclusion is like besides actively practicing it, right, which we can all think of ways to receive, I think, um, the heart of being a beloved son is gratitude and humility. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Well, next week we will talk about the cowboy um, our playful child desires and adventure and you know wanting and seeing a tree and yeah so grab your nerf guns (laughs) let's go go. (laughs) all righty well you guys have a great day everybody signing off bye bye